0: Good morning, Harvest. So good to be with you today. Uh, we recognize that the the weekend coming up is a long weekend, so a lot of people are likely to be away. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to pick up on this sermon, catch up on it sometime during the week. We have Sean Mullins preaching live at the Sabre site, so they're looking forward to that. bit of a treat there. Um, I'm going to be preaching this message, which, as I've said, will go up on the Internet, but we'll also be preached um, at 6 Arundel Road and Falmouth Road as well, our other two sites. So so let's get started. We'll, we'll commit our time first of all to the Lord. Father God, thanks for being with us here this morning. And we thank you that through your spirit you make the truth obvious to us. You make it evident to us in a way that we can understand it and connect with it. So we invite you to do that and pray that you would bless our time together uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you and uh, accessible to the people who are hearing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. I'm going to read to you from, from Isaiah. So if you, if you have your Bible with you, please, please turn there. I thought I had actually marked it. Yes, here I am. Uh, Isaiah 53. And this is a, a prophecy about Jesus. He grew up like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has carried our griefs and borne our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the Word of God. Over the years, we've stressed at Harvest the importance of participating in the Great Commission. And we've had a look at the theological underpinning of the Great Commission, and we've also defined what it is. So, most of us know that it's very important to be sharing the gospel message with our friends and family and colleagues and we've defined what that gospel message is. But so far a lot of it has been quite theoretical and theological if you like in nature, which it needs to be. We need to know what the Great Commission is, what the gospel is, we need to know why it's important for us to be sharing that message with friends and family members. But what I'd like to do today is to have a look at the practicalities of how we actually do it, because many of us feel intimidated. We feel a little bit um, concerned about how to actually do it. How do we share this amazing news that we have in a way that is winsome and in a way that shows respect to people that we love and that we have come to know? So that's what this is all about. Um, first of all I'm going to talk about three principles to keep in mind very practical principles so we want to keep these principles in mind when we're approaching this subject of how to share the gospel and then a very simple straightforward process that you can follow so so here goes first of all some principles principle number one I call this the bridge principle so if you can imagine that your friend is on the other side of a very steep valley with sides that cannot be climbed but you need to get life-giving supplies across to him on the other side of that valley. What you need to do is to build a bridge so that you can get those supplies across but the thing is that that bridge needs to be strong enough to carry the weight of what you're going to be sending over. Now. When any any person um, comes to the subject of um, the gospel of Christianity, there is a certain amount of weight that they're going to attach to that message. What is that weight? Well, it has to do with perceptions that they have. It has to do with objections that they have. It has to do with past experiences that they have of Christianity. For example, um, I might be wanting to, to send across this amazing life-giving message to my friend, but he's had some bad experiences with a hypocritical Christian in the business world. Can you see that that is going to attach some weight to the message that I'm wanting to send across to him? And the bridge needs to be strong enough to carry that weight. So we need to build a bridge between us and the people that we want to share the gospel with. And we do that in two different ways. I've thought of two. You can probably think of some others as well. The first thing that we need to do to build that bridge is we need to build a relationship. You know, a person is only going to trust your message once they've come to trust you. And the only way that we come to trust one another is by getting to know one another. I'm sure you've noticed that in relationships. You start off, you're not too sure whether to trust the person. But as time goes on and they begin to establish a bit of a track record in relationship, then you can trust them. So you need to build a bridge through relationship. And this is not directly related to to anything in inverted commas spiritual or religious. This is playing golf with somebody. This is inviting them out for a cup of coffee. This is taking your neighbor Um, a meal perhaps when they're in a time of crisis it's just simply about establishing a relationship maybe inviting somebody to church whatever it might be you're just establishing a relationship that's the first thing then the second thing that you need to do to build this bridge with the other person is to um, is to build a bridge through genuineness what is genuineness well genuineness is defined as the quality of truly being what something is said to be so you look at a pair of sunglasses for example it says on the sunglasses ray-band but is it actually a genuine ray-band article or not and so many of us carry this external label that we are christians but are we genuine christians can people see that ian is a consistent, authentic Christian man. Is there congruency between different areas of his life? Can we say that Ian is the same person in front of his family as he is in front of his congregation on a Sunday, as he is in front of the guys that he's playing golf with on a Saturday afternoon? Is there genuineness? And perhaps the most, well, let's put it this way, the heart of genuineness is motivation are you motivated by love for your friend because if you're not they're going to pick that up and they'll see that you're not a genuine person and so it often happens that maybe we 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 want to share the gospel with somebody else so that we can have a great story to tell and share on a sunday with other christians so that we look impressive or maybe we're not going to do that, but maybe we just feel like the only way we're going to be acceptable to God and, and actually make it to heaven is by sharing the gospel. Well, that's the wrong motivation as well. The reason why we're going to get to heaven is on the basis of what Christ did on the cross, not on the basis of whether we share the gospel or not. And so we've got to check our heart. We've got to check our motivation. Do, do we, are we genuinely doing this because we, we want to love the other person? Or have we in some way made it about ourselves, so that's the bridge principle, number one. Second principle is the ladder principle. Um, I'd like you to think of a ladder, and this ladder obviously has different rungs going up. And at the bottom, we have people who don't believe in the Christian faith at all. They just they don't even necessarily believe in God. And then, as you go further up the ladder, you've got people who are open to it. Um, but they're not really actively searching. And then beyond that, you've got people who are starting to search and to express an interest they haven't necessarily given their lives to God yet. And then you've got those who have. They've surrendered the management of their life to Jesus. Uh, Maybe they've been baptized. And then going on, you've got people who are growing and maturing in the faith. And the way that we put pressure on ourselves when we, we come to the subject of sharing the, sub, uh, sharing the gospel with other people, the way we put pressure on ourselves is we seem to think that we need to get someone from the bottom of the ladder right the way to the top, or maybe halfway up, all in one go. We need to lead them to the Lord. So for example, I, I might say, you know, I was just busy sharing, sharing the gospel with so-and-so and someone else will say, well, did they give their lives to the Lord? Folks, that is the ultimate goal. But what we must aim to do is just simply help people up one rung at a time. And it may well happen that you only help them up one rung and somebody else helps them up another and someone, someone else gets them further and of course god is involved it doesn't all rest on you so that's the ladder principle just try and figure out what is it that i need to do to help this person uh, get one rung up the ladder and it may simply be inviting them for coffee and just getting to know them a little bit things may not even come on to the subject of the lord at that stage but you're just helping them get up the ladder so, we've got the bridge principle, the ladder principle, then the third principle, very practical, um, is the story. I call it the story principle. We all know um, intuitively that, that we love stories. Um, Don and I were, ju- were just chatting before, we, uh, before I preached this morning, um, and we were having coffee, and he was telling me a story from his childhood. And I just love to hear stories, we all do. Stories are interesting, they engage us. They make sense of reality. They connect us with people. Um, and so what we need to do is we need to, sh- to when we're presenting the gospel, um, is we need to think of, in terms of gospel stories. What kind of stories can I tell? Um, so we've considered the bridge, the ladder, and the story principles. Let's have a look um, at the simple, a simple process for sharing the gospel. Step number one, just build a relationship. Um, I've already mentioned that. So whatever it is, having coffee with a person, inviting them to, to church, meeting a need when they're in a time of crisis, just simply getting to know another person, treating them respectfully, loving them, build a relationship. Step number two, this is quite powerful. It's, I, I've called it walking through seasons people go through different seasons in life they go through seasons of illness or grief or pregnancy or marriage or success or failure sometimes your friend has lost a job um, parenthood and we need to walk with people through those seasons of life Um, so this is this is what we do number one we walk with them through that season of life i'll explain what that means and number two we seek to understand how that particular season makes your friend open to the gospel so let's take the first one walking with people through different seasons in life what does it mean to walk with someone through a season of life well take grief for example if your friend has lost a loved one then to walk through that season with them means um, helping them out Maybe getting involved practically in the organization of the funeral uh, or providing eats at the funeral or taking a meal around. It means spending time with them, listening to them and what they're going through. We're, we're, We're walking with them through that season of life. And many of you are going to be walking with people through different seasons of life. Maybe you're pregnant at the moment. There's going to be other people that are pregnant too. And you will be walking through that season of life with them. Second of all, seek to understand how each season makes your friend open to the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, each season of life creates unique needs that only the gospel can meet. And so you need to ask God to help you figure out what the need is for a particular person. And you're going to listen to God and you're going to listen to that person. And then once you've identified what the need is, then you need to take the next step, which is to link the need to the gospel. So what are the steps so far? Build relationship, walk with people through seasons in their life. Now we're talking about linking the need that they have in that particular season to the gospel. And we do that by acting and speaking. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's suppose, for example, that your friend has just been diagnosed with cancer. And they are really struggling with anxiety and also they want to be healed. They want to be strong again. They don't want to have cancer in their lives. What you can be sure of is that they are going to be moving heaven and earth to have those needs needs met. They're going to be trying all sorts of different ways to meet the need for healing. They're going to be trying all sorts of different ways to try and meet the need for peace so that they can sleep at night, so that they can deal with the anxiety and the fear. And, and what you can be sure of is that in most cases, they're not going to be searching in the right places. And they're going to be doing it, even if what they're doing is not um, inherently wrong, they're going to be doing it in such a way that they can keep God at a distance. For example, what often happens culturally in Zimbabwe, um, when, when a, a Shana-speaking person gets sick, they, they will try and get healing from a white garment prophet because the white garment prophets, that's what they do, is they offer to pray for your healing. But it's done in such a way that you can still keep God at arm's length. It's more about manipulating God and getting Him to be your servant rather than actually surrendering yourself to Him. And the same thing will be, you know, I've, I've come across um, uh, white people as well who are you know they're, they're wanting healing and so they're starting to look at all sorts of um, strange things in their horoscopes um, maybe even getting getting some sort of um, medium involved these things happen in Harare we need to find out what the need is and try and figure out how the person is trying to have that need met because your job as a truly loving friend is to help your friend see what the real problem is and what the solution to it is you know that's the gospel message that that that's what we're trying to get across to peop- people you know the biggest problem is not cancer it's the fact that your friend is set on an eternal a course for eternal separation from God and something needs to be done to reconcile them to God what's the point of having of being healed and having 20 years of life when the real problem The real issue hasn't been healed, namely your relationship with God. And so you have an extra 20 years of life, but you're going to spend an eternity separated from God. That's the real problem. That's the real need. So how do we try and point people to that? I usually ask God to help me uh, address the surface need whilst seeking an opportunity to talk about the deeper need. Do you see that? I address the surface need, in other words, I act, but I'm also looking to talk about the deeper need. So, for example, I might ask my friend whether he would like me to pray for God to give him peace. So I'm addressing the surface need, his need for peace. That's the the need that he is aware of. And then having done that, I'd ask the Holy Spirit to help me sense whether I can make an observation. And if I, if I get the green light in a sense on that, I ask the guy, you know, for permission to make an observation. Um, Jono, would you mind if I, if, if I made an observation? And then I'll often say something like this, and I, I think you can use the same sort of words. You know, Jono, I've noticed that often we want God to work around us to change our circumstances. I mean, you're really battling with the fact that you've got cancer and that you're lacking peace. And, and, and we want God to deal with our, our circumstances, but I've discovered that the most amazing things happen when I allow God to work inside of me rather than around me. We all want God to work around us, but the most powerful thing is for God to work within us. And then I would try to explain that observation. For example, I might say, imagine what it would be like to have a source of peace inside of you independent of your circumstances imagine what that would be like and can you see how this directs your friend to the deeper need it's it's a deeper need that only the good news has an answer for namely how do we become the temple of the holy spirit how how do we become a place where god resides inside of us so that he can work on the inside you know if a window has got a stain on the outside you can rub on that stain as hard as you like from the inside uh, sorry let me get the other way around if there's a stain on the outside you can rub on the inside as, as, as um, oh good heavens I'm really <laughs> getting confused here I, don't worry about it Don. Don't, don't worry people can handle it <coughs> if there is a stain on the inside of the window uh, you can rub on the outside as hard as you like and you're not going to get that stain off because the work needs to be done on the inside and that's what we're talking about we need God To be working on the inside so what we're doing here is is that we're trying to we're we're acting we're asking if we can make an observation um, and we're directing our friends to the deeper need Um, and that's the need that only the gospel has the answer for so we build relationship we walk through seasons We link the season's need to the gospel by acting and speaking, addressing the need, doing something on the surface, but then also asking for for permission to make an observation and to speak. Then step number four. This is usually when, if we get the green light, we start talking about gospel stories. And um, you'll be able to sense whether it's appropriate to do that or not and whether the people are open and receptive to it. And there's two kinds of gospel stories. There's your gospel story, and then there's our gospel story. So let's have a look at yours. The most powerful gospel stories come from your own testimony of how God has worked in your life, from from being on the inside of you. And in essence, these stories are simple to tell because they're just simple before and after stories. Before I turn to God for help, this is what life was like, but after I turned to God, this is what happened. And so one of my gospel stories is just to talk about what it was like when Gail was diagnosed with cancer and then how it helped me because God was on the inside working powerfully on the inside. And so remember that you're, you're illustrating what happens when God has permission to work from the inside rather than around you in your outward circumstances now these testimonies beg the question and this is so important all of this is about begging the question how can I get God on the inside yes it would be nice to have God working on the outside but but how can I actually get him on the inside where he's going to have the most powerful difference and powerful effect and this is where our stories as human beings come in so our story, um, which is a story of mankind, is also a before and after story. And I like to think of it as having four parts. You're not necessarily going to share these titles with your non-Christian friend because they won't be able to relate to them. But it's just to help you know how to progress through the story. So four parts. Paradise, Paradise Lost, Redemption, and then Paradise Regained. Paradise Paradise lost, redemption, and then paradise regained. So paradise, that, this is the beginning of the story. And, you know, I, I would just tell it to people in these simple terms, that God created human beings to live in relationship with Him in this beautiful universe that He'd made. And so that the earth was actually a place of joy and freedom, and humans were designed to live forever. God's only requirement in that beautiful universe that he created was that humans allow him to decide what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad for them. And this was because he didn't want man to live independently from him, but rather in in relationship with him and in reliance on him. But how was that beautiful paradise lost? Well, Adam and Eve were tempted to mistrust God and his intentions for their good. And that often happens to us, isn't it? We, we, we often wonder, does God really have my best interests at heart? And that's where it all started with Adam and Eve. God is saying, I get to tell you what's good and what's bad. But if I listen to that, can I trust God? And so they decided to rebel and they decided to decide for themselves what was good and what was evil. Because they didn't wanna have to rely on God all the time and to be in relationship with him. Sometimes they wanted to do their own thing without God. Now, the moment they rebelled, death entered the universe. Man's lifespan was infinite. He was designed to live forever. And on top of this, although Adam never murdered or stole or raped or sowed the seeds of rebellion, um, he, he sowed the seeds of rebellion that actually led to those things. In fact, just think of it, murder came close on the heels of Adam's rebellion because his own son Cain murdered his brother. And the reason why we say this is, uh, this is an aside, is that it's important to show that every one of us has committed the same sin as Adam. None of us has actually done any better than him. So we continue with the story. Thing is, you might think to yourself, that you could have done a better job than Adam. But the truth is that every one of us has chosen to do things that we know God defines as wrong. Every one of us has at some time or another said, God, I want you to stay outside while I go inside and do my own thing. I know that it's what you have said is wrong, but nevertheless, I'm going to do it. And we've gone ahead and done it. Because deep down, we think that it is better for us to do what we want to do than what God wants us to do. And just as an aside, we we need to explain that doing one's own thing is really terrible. So terrible that God is actually feared to punish us with eternal separation from Him. You see, many people think that they are good enough because they never murdered or raped and so on and so forth back to the story and this is when we help them to see that actually we've all been responsible for murder and rape and all of these different things so we've all sown that seed of rebellion you may not have raped or murdered or enslaved but just like Adam we've sown the seeds of rebellion that actually led to all of those things each of us is guilty of allowing death to spoil God's beautiful universe and the effect of your rebellion and my rebellion is that our relationship with God has broken down and it's no longer possible for him to work on the inside remember we said that that's where we want God to be on the inside working powerfully in fact every one of us is now under God's judgment this whole mess that we see around of us Is our responsibility because we we sowed that seed of rebellion. And why is God's judgment of death just? Well, it's because He gives us exactly what we asked for when we rebelled. Namely, separation from His presence. We said, God, we want to leave you there so that we can do our own thing here. And God says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. Eternal separation from me. And that's what hell is. Hell is eternal separation from God, not living in his presence. And then we live in a place that ends up with all this mess and chaos and disaster. But the question is, and this is where we move on to the next part, how can that situation be put right? How can we make it possible for God to work on the inside again? And this is where we we start to talk about redemption. Now, you know, most of the people that I've come across in Zimbabwe, we believe in God. They believe in God, but they haven't actually trusted God to save them from the penalty of eternal separation from him when they die. In fact, they believe that God will forgive them because they're good enough to merit forgiveness. And I've come across this over and over again. For example, I was, I was chatting to a man who had cancer. Um, it was terminal. And he said, I, I, I have peace with God, Ian. And um, I said, well, on what basis do you have peace with God? And he said, well, I think I've been good enough for God to forgive me. But you know what? None of us is good enough for God to forgive us. And it's, it's true that God desires to forgive, but He's also a God of justice. And justice needs to be done. And we, <laughs> the truth is, we actually want God to be just, Many times we've been wronged and we want somehow for that wrong to be put right. Every one of us, in fact, has wronged and that wrong needs to be put right. It's hardwired into us as human beings. And it wouldn't be just for God to forgive us based on our good behavior. Why? Well, because every one of us has actually sown that seed of rebellion that brings death into the world. Every one of us is guilty. So what is the solution? This is when I would draw people to Isaiah 53. That's the scripture that I read earlier on. The Bible says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. What was the iniquity? Just the simple fact of turning away. We all like sheep have gone astray. What have we done? Each of us has turned to go his own way. That's what Adam did. He said, I know that this is God's way and I should be listening to him, but I'm going to go my own way. And we've all done that, folks. Every one of us has done it. Well, who is this person? It says, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of of us all who was this person on which the iniquity the rebellion was laid it was Jesus it was laid on him how was it laid on him well look at the previous verse he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed you see Jesus paid the price for our rebellion. He was pierced for the fact that we turned away and did things our own way. He took that iniquity upon himself. And you can just see that turning to do things your own way is so incredibly serious because this perfect man who was both man and God had to die on a cross and experience eternal separation from God as a result of us simply turning to go our own way. And so he paid the price for our rebellion. And then, folks, you know, once we accept that he did that um, and we say to God, I believe that that man who lived 2,000 years ago was Jesus, that he died in my place, that he was raised from the dead. Once we accept that simply as a gift, then it becomes possible for God to come and live inside of us through his Holy Spirit and to work powerfully the inside of us and you know no other religion is the same every other religion says you need to be in a special place to experience the presence of god you need to do certain things in order for god to work in your life christianity is not like that i've often shared the example of when we went to jerusalem to the wailing war which is 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 merely what's left of the foundations of the temple it's not even the temple itself and you know the people of israel they, they could only come into the presence of God when they came before the throne of God, which in, the, in those days was between the wings of the angels on the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of, of the Covenant is gone. It's disappeared. The temple's no longer there. But they still feel that to come into a really close place with God, they can do it by walking up to that wall and praying there. And every Jew wants to do it. And even when you're there, you'll see a Jewish people with their phones and they'll be standing by the wall with their phones. And I asked somebody what's, ha- what's, what's happening there. And they said, no, what they're doing is they're giving family members or friends the opportunity to actually pray at the wall. <laughs> but, you know, the Bible says that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God actually dwells inside of us now. We don't have to go anywhere special. And he is able to work on the inside doing the things that we need to cope with the crises and the problems of life and so folks i hope that you can see that that in sharing that story um, this idea that paradise has been lost um, and 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 that we can now be put back into right relationship with god even using some of these terms that i've used um, just makes it quite simple to share the gospel message with other people um, and also, remembering that this is the the actual story is only part of it we 're just trying to get people up one rung at a time we 're trying to build relationships we 're trying to 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 show that we 're genuine. all of these things play a part you don 't have to do the whole thing from A to b so I hope that in in many ways demystifies um, the how of sharing the gospel with other people and I pray that that you would um, take steps even this week to to start sharing the gospel in some of the ways that we've discussed thank you so much for signing in with us Um, i hope that if you've been away with your family that you had a had a wonderful long weekend i pray that god has been blessing you and keeping you safe on the roads let's just pray and and close with prayer father god thanks for being with us in this time and thank you for this news which really is good news Um, that you can come and take up residence inside of us that we become a temple where you can be worshipped that you can work powerfully in us um, to help us deal with with the mess that surrounds us in life we thank you for these things and we pray that you would help us to partner you in that process of sharing the good news with other people and we pray all of this in jesus name amen